Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I like to say that hair is a woman's best accessory. And thanks to my friends at Way, they make it possible to have good hair days every day. Let me tell you, Way's hair oil has become a game changer in my hair care routine. So if you're ready to have good hair days every single day, you got to check out Way. Head over to the Way, T H E O U A I dot com to check out their products. And here's a little treat for you guys use the promo code Heal Squad for 15% off your purchase. Yep, the Way, T H E O U A I dot com, promo code Heal Squad for 15% off. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey and Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Minu. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. Happy Monday. When you know better, you get better. It is Monday, August 31st, 2020. Holy moly. August is over. Our quote of the day. We learn and grow. Wow, I can't read your writing. (laughs) Guys, our printer, let's get real. Our printer is out of ink. So Kelsey had a hand write our quote of the day here. Do you here. want me to read it? <laughs> uh, so you can read it or Jeff can read it. Jeff. Whoever wants to I've read got, it. I've got it queued up here if it's best. Go we for have it. Sharon Salzbergan today. We have a quote from her. She's an unbelievable spiritual activist and says, We learn and grow and are transformed, not so much by what we do, but why and how we do it. Ooh. 
And that yeah. is from Sharon Salzberg, our guest today, who is a celebrated New York Times bestselling spiritual thought leader. Uh, she's going to help us and em- help empower us to make change in our lives, in our community through loving kindness. She's going to teach us how to love our enemies. Whoa. Ooh. Here we go. Thank you guys for joining us as always. Thank you for everybody, by the way, who is writing a review on Apple Podcasts. I see you. I'm so grateful. A lot of times when I need a good pick me up, that's where I go. Thank you for everyone who's subscribing to Patreon and becoming a member. Um, I know a lot of you feel like technically challenged. We're making it really simple. It's a link in the bio on my Instagram page. Just go in there, click. Um, or you can go to the summary of this mm-hmm. show and just click on Patreon. It will take you there and you can join us over there. We're building our Heal Squad community and we're really excited. Uh, especially we're excited to the response to last year, uh, last week's episode with Tony Rock. Guys, I can't talk today. We had an episode last week that was amazing where we shared our learnings um, from Tony Robbins' business mastery class that we all took. It was a $10,000 class. We were really grateful to be able to take it. And um, we are sharing all of those takeaways with you. So if you haven't become a member, it is worth it. Jump in there. Get access to this episode. We're going to do a part two this week. Mm-hmm. Because we learned so much in those 17-hour days, five days straight, that we have more to bring to you. So we're going to do that as well. And um, we have amazing, um, amazing things in store. Jeff, maybe you want to tell them about the thing we're doing with Saw. Well, we actually just secured the date. So very exciting. Um, And not next Wednesday, but the week after. So Wednesday, September 16th. Sada Simone, who you guys will hear this Thursday, amazing, really interesting voice in the spiritual community, is doing a workshop with our patrons. So you guys will get a Zoom link. You'll get to join the live Zoom. He's going to do a little 30-minute presentation about authenticity and finding your best self. It sounds cliche when I say it, but when he says it, it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he'll do a Q&A. So he'll actually take questions and work with you guys on this Zoom. So awesome. I'm so glad I'm going to be there. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's yeah. Wednesday, September 16th, Jeff, but it'll I, drop that Saturday. Can I ask you, I'm sorry, to clarify, is everyone on Patreon, everyone allowed, or is it different tiers? My thought, and we can discuss it as a team, we'll get back, but I think for those of you in that low tier who want to get a taste of what it looks like to be in those upper tiers and get these exclusive shows, I think this would be a really cool show for you to join in. So for the sake of in- including all of our patrons in this one, I think we should open it up to everyone for the Saw Workshop. And then for those of you who are in that bottom tier, you can get a flavor of the bonus content that you'll get if you jump that next Ooh, tier, which is only five extra bucks a month. Mm. All right. I like that. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot more of this kind of thing in the Patreon. We're really excited excited so come on over join us it will be uh game changing for you guys and we'll continue to bring you the amazing guests that we are on this show but we have more latitude there and we have no ads yes so um join us at patreon if you haven't subscribed to youtube please do um we get very excited as those numbers go up so excited and we celebrate (laughs) and just imagine the dances we do behind the scenes when we see that you guys are moved and this is serving you and this is helping you um so thank you guys for being a part of our better together community because we do believe that we're better together Mm -hmm. and we're all going to be helping each other and we have a really big vision for the show and what we're going to do together with you so um, make the commitment to join us um, more officially. I think it will be very important for you. Okay, we have a lot of things to get through today. First, we're going to start with 
um, our snake attack. Oh, gosh. We were attacked by snakes today in you Connecticut. Guys. So, guys, being a farm girl isn't easy. Um, <laughs> um, between the dump runs, which, by the way, we had a love affair with our dump friend. We love him. We have a friend at the dump. And uh, on Thursday, we went to the dump. And we just, I was like, I pulled him aside. I said, I just want you to know that you make something that should be unpleasant really pleasant we look forward to seeing you you're so fun and you're so bright and you work at the dump like i love this guy yeah, he's the best and he's so actually the best yeah so we're Kels- betting on his name we've been yes yeah, so unfortunately you know when you don't get someone's name the first time and then you're embarrassed <laughs> later we're in that situation right now so kelsey and i turned it into a game so we are guessing his name <laughs> so when we go back this week we're going to ask him and we're gonna you know um, actually, we should test him and see if he remembers our names. Ooh. Then he, we won't feel as bad when he forgets us. Yeah, that's true. Okay, cool. That's Unless a good he tactic. remembers right away and he's like, Kelsey Maria. If and he then does, then like... I'm just going to ask for forgiveness for being... <laughs> or, sorry. Yeah. Um, or I'll throw my brain tumor card down. Oh, my. <laughs> it's always there. It's always there. Someone, you can always play that one. Someone so actually made one for me as a joke. He's like, anytime you need an excuse for something, here it is. And he wrote brain tumor on a white index card. Hilarious. No, a white business card. And he's like, keep it in your wallet. Just drop it down. It's just a funny way to think of something very serious. So whatever. Um, You guys know me at this point. I like (laughs) to make everything uh, as humorous as possible. So. uh, But snakes. But back to the snakes. So (laughs) this morning, I saw something fluttering in the pool. And I thought it was an animal in distress. So I rush out. I grab the net. And I go to pick it up. And it. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. It's a snake. And then nope. I see another I snake. And another snake. And there's slithering swimming through the pool and then I look at the concrete and they're coming up through the gaps in the concrete and their little heads are poking up and they're poking down and then they're slithering through you know all these places and I'm like oh my god so if you are curious go to my Instagram stories you want me to play it you can see them there. I will I will have Kelsey play. I just want to make sure you cue up the best one, yeah, let's which is the going. one at the end where I really showed you all their faces. Because at first we were keeping distance and we were scared and the lighting was difficult to capture them. You couldn't really see them all. But there were probably, I would say conservatively, 20 right, snakes. You guys, are you? I don't think you're ready for this. Let's see. I don't think you're ready for my snakes. I don't think you're ready <laughs> for my Marina snakes. Marina having a heart attack. Oh. <sighs> okay, you're, there we go. See them popping their little heads up? See them slithering in the pool? 
Yep. See another one coming at me? Look at their little heads popping. Boom. It's a lot. For the podcast listeners, make sure you go to Maria's IG. I will say... Horrible. When they're extended, they're not as bad. But when they're kind of curled and contorted Mm. and popping out of the cracks, that is nightmare fuel. That is scary stuff. Yeah, it was pretty creepy because there was a massive concentration of them. And some of them were thicker and longer than the other ones. And listen, I hold snakes. I'm not like crazy scared. But the enormity of like the situation, like it was there were so many like one, two. okay, but they were like, oh, yeah, this is my pool, bitch. And they were going all over. And I'm like, no, it's my pool. I'm laughing at the chat right now going, (laughs) no, no, no. Hell no. No. Brandy, I feel you. No, I was not having it. Kelsey was freaking out. I'm not having it. (laughs) Guys, it's so creepy. And and it's funny, like you hear noises in the woods and, you know, it's I love being in the woods. I think it's so beautiful. And we've had such a great time. But there are those moments when you're sitting outside and you're like, hmm, if I close my eyes, what could pop up? Right. There's beehives everywhere. I mean, or it could be majestic and it could be a deer, you know, so you never really know. It could be good or bad. (laughs) Could be a butterfly. Could be the beautiful hummingbirds. However, we were (laughs) sitting, Kelsey and Ashley were doing some work by the pool yesterday, right near the snakes. So imagine you guys were working and one of these slithery little suckers came up. Okay, that's it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we had snakes. Um, (laughs) So snakes. Let's get to our good news movement Monday story of the day because we need good news, um, especially after the tragic news that we um, heard on Saturday. So it was Saturday, right? I think Friday evening officially. Friday yeah. night. Okay, so yeah. Friday night, uh, Kelsey and I, um, you know, saw on Twitter and our jaws just dropped at the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And it yeah. was absolutely, like, it was sh- shocking. It was it was unbelievable yeah. to us. Um No different than Naya Rivera. No different than Kobe Bryant. You're like, wait, what? They're so young. Uh, With Chadwick, knowing that he was battling cancer while he was having the most epic success in his career. And at the same time, having those moments with all the kids that he was helping with cancer. Um, I, I socialed out a moment where... He got very emotional talking about these kids who were really just hoping that, you know, they could live to see Black Panther come out on the screens. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the yeah. the thing they were talking about or just how excited they were to see that movie. And yeah. um, I just it was it was really, heart really heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. So um, our good news movement Monday today was uh, connected to that. And so, Jeff. If you would explain to everybody what we're seeing. Yeah, I was also so moved by this story, Maria. I mean, like, in basically seven years, he had a career that a lot of actors would kill for. And for a majority of that time, he was battling cancer. I mean, like, just what a hero. But, you know, one of the most important things that he did, among many, many important things, was to portray Black Panther and Marvel's mega hit Black Panther. I know you guys watched it this weekend. Amazing, amazing movie. But more importantly, what an important... Uh, moment of representation Mm -hmm. and Marvel was a forerunner in that. I do want to give Marvel 
credit for that. But of course, it's Chadwick Boseman's performance as Black Panther that changed the lives for so many people and especially so many young kids. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Figueroa over at Good News Movement posted a beautiful, beautiful photo of a young boy a young black boy doing Wakanda forever. He's doing the symbol. Marvel action figures surrounding, mm. whoa, sorry, <laughs> um, but surrounding um, the Black Panther action figure, which of course Chadwick Boseman portrayed, sort of lying down as if he's at his own, you know, memorial and all of the other Avengers and Marvel figures are paying tribute to him. And just to see, know that that kid's life might be forever changed because of Chadwick Boseman's performance Oof. is really important. So it's a beautiful photo. I think Kelsey's showing it now. Yeah. And you can check that out over at Good News Movement. Oh, oh, it, oh. oh it makes me cry. It's the sweetest thing ever. I, I, I was posting this weekend, and we can talk about it briefly, but um, one of the things that struck me is everybody was tweeting about the personal internal struggles no one knows about, right? Like mm -hmm. the things that we're all going through that we don't share with everybody, that we keep close to the vest. And um, and people have just been remarking on his courage and his strength to battle cancer while having to gain and lose weight and build all this muscle and make these characters come to life and doing all this work. And it's a lot, um, especially under that kind of duress. The added part to it that I added was you know, what if he couldn't tell people? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I remember when I was going to undergo brain surgery, I was advised, don't tell anybody. And for me, it was a really um, obvious choice to keep it a secret. I needed to make sure I came out the other side. I needed to make sure I came out the other side okay. If there was some complications that I needed to, like, hide for a little while while I got better because you don't want the industry to see you um, not well because then you can be viewed as a liability and insurance issues and all kinds of things. Um, you know, you have to be insured to work on sets. And so imagine, and I, I, I just wonder if that played into his decision at all and maybe his his wife will, you know, at some point say something. Mm -hmm. um, but I know even people with mental health issues can't be honest because they will be um, discriminated against and insurance won't insure them. And so it's a very challenging system um, and it needs to be adjusted. Um, but, you know, he obviously knew within himself that yeah. he could do it. Yeah. Um, and he did it, but I always just, I just kept thinking of how, how challenging it must have been for him to have to hide such a terrifying battle. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, so brave. Just, I mean, and the hope is that the industry pivots and promotes a space where people can actually be honest about their health. Yeah. I mean, it's been a real reckoning for this business over the last decade. And this is another huge chapter that needs to get unfolded because if fear is what's driving people's ability to participate in this business, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, what I, I've been a fan of Chadwick Boseman. He was in this movie like six years ago called get on up where he portrayed James Brown. Mm. And basically he portrayed Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, these were all biopics that he stars in, portraying different heroes of black culture in this century. I mean, and then he became arguably, a hero himself. Mm -hmm. I know. Just one of the most cry. truly talented yeah. 
It's such a loss. It is so sad. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of beautiful to see getting on social media that night. My entire, I couldn't scroll without seeing one post of him. And I found that just so moving and beautiful. And he touched so many people. Yeah. It really is a awful loss it's really really sad yeah he he was really special and intentional every time he spoke even did you guys see the post that josh gad put out yeah so Mm -hmm. josh gad yeah Yeah. his final text to josh gad was just about appreciating the beauty of every moment and um and the the rain that was coming down and and it was just man yeah Mm -hmm. he was he was a special guy and it's just it's so sad. 2020 continues to just be I know. Um, a really sad year. Yeah. A really sad year. When Laura told me, I was like, no. Like, that- she was like, Chadwick Boseman died. And I was like, that that's wrong. Like, I was like, that can't yeah. be true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, it's like, like you mentioned, like, it's so unreasonable, 2020. Like, to specifically take Black Panther from us, that just feels so unjust. It's just so upsetting. Especially at the most critical time of needing him. I know. I know. But what a legacy. That was us, though, too, Jeff. I mean, we were watching a movie, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. When she said that, I knew that that meant somebody died. Yeah. I could just tell. I read about 14. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But what a legacy. Oh, man. All right. We are going to transition, and we are going to learn about loving kindness today and loving our enemies and we're going to do that with Sharon Salzberg. She's a New York Times best-selling spiritual activist. She's considered a paramount voice for the introduction of Buddhist teachings in Western culture. She's the co-founder of the Insight Meditation Society, and she's been leading meditation retreats across the world for hundreds of thousands of students over the last three decades. Her recent work focuses on actionable ways that we can utilize spirituality principles to enact change both in ourselves and the world around us. Couldn't think of a more critical time to learn all about that. So she's going to help us unlock that power within ourselves today. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. So uh, how do we unlock that power within ourselves? (laughs) Well, first, I think we have to recognize we have some power. We have some agency. And when we feel overwhelmed or it's just like all too much, when we get into a space of helplessness, then all is lost because we're not going to have the energy. So I, I would say the first thing to do is see if there's someone you can help in some small way. Because so many times we think what we can do is negligible. It's like nothing. The problems are so immense. But if you can reach out to... All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days, and I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor, and it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios, and then I got addicted, and now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of 
wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. One person and, and see if you can make a difference, then that will unite you with a part of yourself. And you get to feel, oh, look what that feels like. And I tried my best and, and uh, oh, I can actually do this. I like that. I think Marianne Williamson was saying something similar mm-hmm. to us because we were we were chatting with her at, uh, you know, another critical juncture maybe two months ago. And, you know, it, it's funny. I was listening to one of your videos where you were talking about the opposite of faith. And you said that the opposite of faith is despair. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have a legion of a, a legion of faithful people who have become so engulfed by despair. Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, flip it and go back to faith? <laughs> How do we get out of despair? Because I feel like we just keep, it's almost like this cruel joke right now where it's just like, let's just keep piling more things on. Let's just keep adding and adding and let's see. I don't know. Is it trying to, to is this like some great test for us? It's kind of amazing, isn't it? It's just like, I'm a very big fan of New Year's Eve. And I always felt like as a, a Jew and a Buddhist and an American, I was lucky because I get three of them a year. <laughs> and there are three times where I can say, wow, we're turning a corner, you know, new beginnings, like some of the stress and the difficulty of this past year. I can let it go now and, and move on. Let it go. Somebody sent me... Um, a reminder of the email they had sent me this past New Year's Eve. And it was like, can't wait till 2020. You know, oh, it's man. like, you know, 2019 has been so tough and I can't wait. And I think, yeah, I remember that moment. You know, and it, It's pretty overwhelming. So I think a lot depends on how we use the word faith. I tend to use it as a profound sense of connection Ooh. to inner strengths and to a bigger picture of life than the immediate circumstance that we find ourselves confronted by. And so the essence of that is connection and despair, I see as the rendering of connection. And so what I have done in my own life in those moments and what I see people do, you know, really powerfully is reweave a sense of connection. And it may be in nature. It may be, as I was saying, with one other person, uh, it may be um, with those strengths within through some kind of contemplative or or meditation practice. Uh, it's some way that we get the sense of an expanse. And we can. It's through art, through literature. Um, you know, there's so many ways in which our world opens up. And and that is really essential in a time like this where the the stress is, is so, it's such an onslaught. So when you talk about the expanse, it's really my interpretation and just to help everybody else is to understand that the world is bigger than you and bigger than this moment, right? So like when you're on the ocean in a boat and you just see, like whenever I'm at the ocean period, I just look out and I'm like, wow, there's like a massive world out there and I'm just a little ant. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's a fantastic way of doing it. And it's also... Um, I had read this uh, quotation from somebody, I can't remember who, but um, he said something like, uh, grief is love that doesn't have the normal place to land. Grief is love 
that doesn't have a normal place to land. The normal place. You know, if you've loved a person and they are gone or a set of ideals and they are shattered or a place, you know, and you can't get back there. And, uh, but the love is still intact. And that's what I remind myself in those moments. It's like, of course, there's great sadness and there's a huge amount of letting go happening right now, but the love is at the at the heart of it. And if I return to honoring that, something happens that is very important. Wow. And what is the difference between the love for that person and the love collective that you have? Or is it all one? Like, can it just be transferred? I think it is all one in, in many ways. I think we have particular relationships with people, of course. It's like when I teach loving kindness meditation and we talk about love for all beings everywhere people usually say to me well i kind of like my husband you know can i like keep him (laughs) and you know still have this sense of love for everybody and of course it's not that you know relationships explode and differentiation ceases to happen but at essence it's that profound knowing that our lives have something to do with one another that we are part of this bigger picture. I think in any one moment, you know, we can feel terribly cut off and alone and lonely. And um, yet, if we really look, our lives are intertwined. They really are interconnected mm-hmm. with, with other beings. I see that like when I go into a company or an organization to teach, I would say, how many other people need to be doing their jobs well for you to be able to do your job well? Because suddenly you realize, oh, I'm part of this network. Yeah. I'm part of this set of interconnected variables. And I was recently talking to the head of a hospital, a, a medical practice, and he said, you know who I'm starting to appreciate a lot these days? Is the cleaning staff. Mm. You think about the people we normally look through or discount or objectify who are keeping us alive, you know, and getting us food and things like that. And uh, we can, just by shifting how we pay attention, realize, oh, I'm part of this bigger picture. Yeah, we all need each other. We're better together. We're better together. It's interesting, um, you know, when you realize that we're all connected, it's like we realize then when we try to cut off, you know, a sector or it, it's like cutting your own arm off, right? That's right. Yeah. How do you get people to see that and understand it? I think the first thing is to realize that that doesn't mean we like everybody. Yeah. And we're going to invite them for dinner or whatever mm-hmm. we would do these days. You know, that it, it's not about um, proximity or the action that we take or discarding common sense or, or wisdom. Uh, maybe it's not that great to spend time with somebody or to let them close. But in our hearts, we can have a sense of inclusion rather than exclusion. And uh, we can recognize, you know, the, the conceptual framework we normally have is important as a concept of self and other and us and them. But when it becomes rigid and imprisoning, then we're all alone. And it's not reflective of how things are. It's like I was driving with this friend uh, one year and 
we were caught in this terrible, horrible, awful traffic and complained bitterly about it the entire time. And then my friend said to me, well, we're the traffic too, you know. Mm. I said, oh, right. You know, like, what's the sense? It's like my road, I own it, and you are interlopers slowing me down. But we're the traffic too. And what happens if we make a leap into that recognition? Like, it's we. It's not just me and you way over there. Wow. It's also, it's erasing the blame game, right? It's not me versus you. Like, there isn't somebody causing this traffic. You're right. It is. It's all of us. What a great way to look at traffic. I know. (laughs) I mean, I know that's not the point of the conversation, but it is a really great way to look at traffic, especially when you live in high traffic areas like we do in Los Angeles. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. So I want to talk about loving kindness. This is kind of like your central, mm-hmm. um, guiding force, I feel mm-hmm. like for what you do. Explain to everybody mm-hmm. what it is and how it can benefit them. Well, I first began meditating in uh, January of 1971 and it was a presentation. I was in India. I went to India to learn how to meditate and uh, it was a presentation about mindfulness, which is a word that's gotten very popular, a quality of awareness where we're seeing more clearly what our experience actually is. And right at the end of that 10-day retreat, they talked about loving-kindness practice, which is this kind of a sister practice. Um, it's its own method, although they're very supportive of one another. And it's a practice where we actually take a few risks with our attention. It's like we we dare to look differently. So for example, if we are in the habit of thinking about ourselves at the end of the day, and all we can think about is the mistakes we've made and how far- With summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the way, dot com. Use the code HEALSQUAD for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code HEALSQUAD. Your hair deserves it. Healthy we are and how we didn't show up and, and we just consumed with that. We kind of change channels for a moment and wish ourselves well like give ourselves the gift of may i be happy may i be peaceful and you think about all the people um kind of like i was just referring to that we don't look at we look through the cleaning staff people the checkout people in the supermarket people like that and the training of loving kindness in effect is to look at them and wish them well may you be safe may you be happy Um, the grammatical phrase is usually may I, may you, and some people don't like that. They say, well, who am I asking? And we're not asking anybody. We're gift-giving. We're offering. It's like offering a blessing in some way. And so um, 
because we go through a variety of different relationships ourselves, people uh, who've helped us, people we know are struggling, and we come to like all beings everywhere. It's it's like an affirmation of how connected we all are, and so it it's a very powerful practice, and it is its own its own practice, which I have. You're right, you know, really emphasized more than anything. So is it a is it an out loud thing where you acknowledge you start to acknowledge things you didn't acknowledge in your environment before and you say it to them like may you be well? Uh it is an, as a meditation practice it's an internal silent practice in countries like Burma where I, I went to do that practice intensively it's like a chant and you wake up in the morning and you hear the nuns just singing it and uh, you wouldn't, of course, formally, you know, walk up to a checkout person in the supermarket and say, may you be happy, may you be safe. Yeah. Oh, maybe these days you would, actually. Um, you know, but there's something you would probably say, like, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, in some way that it would express itself. I love that. So you also talk about loving your enemies. How do we do that, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. When I first, uh, I was writing a, a previous book to the one that is my most current book, and I was talking to a friend about this idea of having loving kindness for all beings, including those we find very difficult. And she said to me, even Stalin and I thought, who worries about Stalin these days? You know, that's a, that's a pretty old-fashioned sort of, you know, resentment to have. Um, so, again, it takes tremendous exploration of what do we mean by love your enemies or loving kindness toward a difficult person. It doesn't mean giving in. It doesn't mean being weak. It doesn't mean disregarding your own needs. Um, it's some understanding of a few things. One is if we are consumed with the actions of someone else and defined by them, then we have given over a great deal of our life force mm. to someone. As one of my friends said to me after some period of time obsessing about the actions of someone else, he said, I let him live rent-free in my brain for too long. You know, so Whoa. this process will replace that kind of obsession. And the other thing is understanding that when we ourselves are in pain or disconnected or contracted in some way, that's when we act recklessly or harmfully. And it is very likely that this other person or people are themselves in, in the same situation, which is why they have harmed somebody else. And it's not to say there's, that's not an excuse for behavior. Um, but it is some knowledge, you know, so that we can uh, have some sense of compassion even. But compassion doesn't mean giving in again. You know, it's uh, you might fight from a great state of compassion, but you won't just be overcome by that kind of obsessive hatred. That's what yeah. loving your enemies means. How do you love? Oh, man. <clears throat> okay. So we're coming from a compassionate place where we have, what I always say is I work really hard to put myself in other people's shoes. And so what I try to do with people I deem bad people 
as I try to go down the path of where do they come from? What happened Mm -hmm. to them? Mm -hmm. What led them to this place? I mean, obviously, we are a product of our collection of experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I don't think people want to be bad. Um, I think that they can make choices and go down bad paths because maybe they weren't um, educated enough or they didn't have tools to make better decisions or whatever, right? It's challenging. I mean, life is challenging. So I try to put myself in other people's shoes. Um, but sometimes it, it makes people around you uncomfortable that you can see that and be um, empathetic or compassionate but it doesn't mean you're allowing the behavior that you think that this is okay mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. oh yeah no it should never mean that uh, because not all behavior is the same you know <clears throat> people can cause a great deal of harm and I think one can have an understanding you know yes I'm not going to spend time with you it's not safe yeah. or I'm going to fight your actions with everything I've got or um I need to recognize that that compassion for you has to be accompanied by compassion for myself. You know, this is not a zero-sum game. And uh, it's it's more a question of ourselves experiencing the strength of that, how that doesn't make us passive or, or complacent, but it relieves us of the burden of that kind of obsession. You know, I, I have a, in my recent book, I was, um, I decided, oh, you know, I want to quote Gandhi who said something like, um, and I don't mean, this is not a comment about feeling anger. This is a comment about being overcome by anger. Uh, You know, and I thought, oh, Gandhi said something like, um, if you uh, get overcome by anger, it's like drinking poison, thinking it's going to kill the other guy. Yeah, yeah, I and, like that. And so because I wanted to put it in the book, I had to source it. And so I couldn't find it attributed to Gandhi everywhere. I saw it attributed to the Buddha and Oprah Winfrey and Nelson Mandela and the big book of AA and mm. Carrie Fisher. It's like, I have no idea who said it. <laughs> but that's the point. Yeah. You know, it, it's out of the greatest compassion for ourselves that we want to see, is there another source of strength? And it has to be a real source of strength. How do you deal with the the maybe anger that arises from things you're seeing playing out in the news, in the world? Um, you know, there was something trending on Twitter this morning about a, a little girl in Texas being given back to a family that was sexually abusing her. And I got so... In, enraged and upset and the only way I know right now to handle that is to go into self-protect mode and just pray and and not allow it to overtake me and I don't know if that's right well I think it's essential sometimes you know because we can only take in so much um, at a time and yet um, that doesn't have to be the end of the story yeah you know, uh, I think if I wanted to fly to Texas, to be honest, and go rip her from that family and like, you know, smash all of those people. But obviously, I'm not going to do that. 
carry on. <laughs> there may be something to do, you know, somewhere in between yeah. extremes, you know, there might in fact so be upset. an action right there. No, of course you were. And um, I think one of the things I've seen uh, through mindfulness and sitting with my own anger and, and being able to look at it, which is sort of the point of that meditation, is being able to be with whatever comes up sorrowful or joyful or, or anything and, and to really kind of hold it in a way, not hold on to it, but hold it in a, the presence of balance and and kindness towards yourself. And one of the things I've seen um, is that really right at the heart of anger is a sense of helplessness. And that if I can sit with it long enough to get to that feeling, which I think is one of the most corrosive, difficult feelings for us to have, then I can decide, okay, what am I going to do? What action am I going to take? And that doesn't mean writing an angry tweet, you know, like yeah. something that actually can, uh, although it might, but beyond that, you know, uh, contribute in some way to yeah. awareness. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. To to some action that, that might make a difference. Yeah. Um, you have a new book that's coming out um, tomorrow called Real Change, and it's all about activism. And I know a lot of people don't usually equate spirituality and activism. So why are you um, adamant about its ability to change communities? Yeah, I mean, people don't associate me with that either. You know, if anything, they associate me with loving kindness. And, and that doesn't always compute with people's notion of activism. So I feel like I'm going off brand, so it's like kind of exciting to. It's a new branch um, to the tree. <laughs> yes. Well, what I've seen in, uh, because I've been teaching for a very long time now, teaching meditation since 1974. And um, I've seen so many people doing all kinds of techniques. And it doesn't have to be meditation, but some kind of introspection, some way of knowing themselves a little better. I've seen over and over and over again how it leaves us with more good-heartedness. You know, countless people have said to me things like, somebody approached me on the street and asked me for a dollar, and I gave them a dollar because that's just what I do. But this is the first time I looked them in the eye and realized that is a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I've seen that so many times. And um, there's both not necessarily a great articulation of that, and also, not everyone takes it another step and says, I wonder what the housing policy is in the city, you know, so that 
there's so many people on the streets. We don't necessarily look at causes and conditions. And so I wanted to address both of those, you know, really honor that articulation. Like, yes, the more we know ourselves, the more we actually care about others. And there are ways of looking at systems that maybe that's a little bit unusual for us as spiritual people or, or whatever. And uh, it would help a lot, you know, if we develop that, that ability. Jeff, I know you have some burning questions in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like really moved by that. I've been, you know, I live in Hollywood and there's a lot of homelessness in my area. And I feel like I do see people and sometimes we're scared to acknowledge other people's pain or something is holding yeah. us back and it's so common. And I, I wanted to, I want to ask you about like that journey. You talk about, we need to look inward first before we're able to look outward and I'd love for you to kind of clarify sort of what that means, because like, I know I need to do work on myself before I can really fully empathize with experiences that are outside of myself to, to enable change. Well, that's a good thing for it to mean. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what it means, but um, I would say, you know, either through meditation or mindfulness or just looking, notice your motivation. When you say something, when you give that person a dollar, when you look the other way, uh, when you blame somebody for their situation, just just notice it's like it's a little bit of a pivot. Um, in Tibetan Buddhism, they call it spy consciousness. It's not like this intense self scrutiny, but you just pivot your attention. Notice what's motivating you. You know, again, if I'd go into an organization, something I'd often say to people is, before a major uh, conference, before a major meeting. Ask yourself, what do I really want most to come out of this? Do I want to be seen as right? Do I want a resolution? Do I want to help somebody along or kind of mentor them? Do I want to grind them into dust? You know, and just that sort of um, awareness really helps us see where we're coming from. And I mean, you, you obviously do it when you said, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid to sit and be with somebody's pain, you know, in, in my consciousness and um, if you notice that, that's a long way because then you can say, okay, what can I do to address that? Um, it might be that you uh, listen. You know, it might be that you <clears throat> really ask yourself, what am I afraid of? You know, um, like somebody who had a very severe depression said to me once, you know, people started avoiding me as though. It was contagious. And I said, I don't think it was necessarily that fear, but people are afraid of saying the wrong thing. You know, they're, they're afraid of kind of blundering and making things worse somehow. And he said, I didn't need them to say the right thing. You know, they're not in charge of my state. I needed them to be there, just be present and acknowledge it. So listening is a good thing. And uh, seeing for yourself, you know, what am I afraid of? What what do I think is going to ensue if I acknowledge it? And I'd also say we're stronger than we think, you know. And uh, sometimes it's harder to do things alone. Sometimes it's easier with a sense of community. Like here we are together trying to look at this problem or or these issues and seeing what, what maybe we can do. Yeah, I like the clear setting of an intention before you do something. I think that's a really important thing for all of us to kind of take note of, right? 
Why am I doing this? What do I want to get from this? What am I trying to achieve here? I think we all just go into things so aimlessly, or at least I do, or I know I have, where you're just like, it's something on your schedule, and you're just, okay, aimlessly there, cool. But if we have that intention set, then we're actually going to get something from that experience that maybe we weren't going to get before. I love that. That's really powerful. Um, Sharon, since you're probably the first person we've had on the show that has taught meditation as long as you have, (laughs) um, I'd love to ask for your kind of tools and techniques because, and I also wonder... Back in, was it 1974, 71, you said? 71 is when I started. 74 is when I started teaching. So meditation was like super popular back then, right? (laughs) The idea of meditation was super popular. The reason I went to India, uh, I was a college student at State University of New York at Buffalo, and I took an Asian philosophy course, which is where I heard about meditation. And Honestly, looking back, I think I took it because it fit my schedule, you know? There was a philosophy requirement. I had to take a philosophy course. So I said, oh, I'll do that one. That's convenient. It's on Tuesday. And it totally changed my life. And it was in in the context of that course, I heard about meditation. There were things you could actually practice. There were methods that were practical that if you undertook them, you could be a lot happier. And I was not very happy. And so I looked around Buffalo, New York. I didn't see it anywhere. And so I created an independent study project for the university saying, I want to go to India and study meditation. And they said, okay. And that's how I went. The idea was sort of popular, but the reality was not really available. Well, I'm also kind of kidding a little bit because, you know, you see that it's become popular in recent years, but... I wonder how open people were back then to these things because, you know, it's always challenging when you're trailblazing and kind of, you know, the first. And so I start to think of like, um, you know, what energy healing is now where people look at it with like the third eye and they're like, that's weird. Like, that's probably where other things like this were back in their inception or in the the beginning of it coming to the mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like when I came back from India in 1974 as a teacher, because one of my own teachers had told me to teach, be at a party or some social situation, and people would say, as we do, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, oh, I teach meditation. And they would kind of go, oh, that's weird. (laughs) Or sometimes people would say to me, did you meet the Beatles over there? I'd say, no, sadly, they went when I was in high school in different tradition anyway. But and these days after I, I believe, you know, after so much science, so much more science and research and kind of relanguaging the idea of meditation. So people understand it's not about a belief system. It's not about an identity, like becoming a Buddhist or a Hindu or anything. Um, it's about the power of one's own awareness and being able to harness it Uh People often, if I'm introduced in that way as a meditation teacher, will say, I'm so stressed out. I could really use some of that. And occasionally someone will say, my partner should really meet you. That would be really useful for them. Or I also hear, which concerns me, oh, I tried that once. I failed at it. Because we believe you cannot fail at it. You cannot do it wrong. 
um, you can't have the wrong experience. And so if I ask, well, why do you think you failed at it? People usually say something like, I failed at it because I couldn't stop my mind. I couldn't banish all thinking. I couldn't have a kind of state of complete quiet. But we don't believe that's the purpose anyway. You know, it's not to like put away your thinking, but to have a different relationship to it. Like we don't have to take every thought to heart. We don't have to build a whole identity around it. Um, we don't have to act because we had a certain thought. We have a choice if we can see it as it's as it's first coming up. I love that interpretation because I feel like everybody does feel this enormous um, kind of, um, you know, importance on having no thoughts. You know, you have to you have to have a completely clear brain. And I think also all the more reason to keep doing it. Right. Because if you're having so many thoughts and you can't shut your brain down, the whole point of doing this is to try to get to a place where you can have more inner peace and with repetition that will come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and some measure of that peace is really uh, having a thought come, but not taking it to heart. As one of my teachers would say, this Tibetan teacher, his name is Sukhni Rinpoche, he'd say, the thought is not the problem, it's the glue. Ooh. You know, we have a thought, we grab it, we nurture it, we build on it, we decide, yes, I'm going to send that tweet, you know, or I'm going to do this. And and then we act, and then maybe we look back and think, what was that about? You know, like, yeah. I was just overcome by thought. So what are your, like, top tips for people meditating? You mean people starting out when yeah. they're beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you have to be reasonable. Like, don't think, well, I'm going to sit for eight hours now, you know. Uh, neuroscience actually tells us it's seven to nine minutes, although the most recent neuroscientist I talked to said 12 minutes, you know, to instantiate the kind of changes that people, you know, are, are researching. So say you're going to sit for 10 minutes thereabouts. Uh, maybe, you know, it could be five. But somewhere that you feel is reasonable and see what seems a reasonable period of time for you, like a week, every day for a week, every day for a month, whatever is right for you. And then just practice it and learn something about practice because it's, again, you know, we can have such a habit of self-judgment and self-criticism that every thought that appears, we're going to think, oh, no, I'm doing it wrong. But if we really take in, the purpose is not to wipe out your thinking. The purpose is to develop a different relationship to everything, thoughts and feelings and everything that comes our way. And then choose a simple technique like, uh, usually we begin people with just feeling the breath, feeling the actual sensations of the in and out breath, which I think in a time like this is also useful because mm -hmm. in high stress, we forget to breathe, you know, so set a timer for five more, you know, people use apps, uh, somehow set a timer for five minutes or thereabouts, sit down, close your eyes or not, settle your attention on the feeling of the breath. And the most important point of all, which carries through any method or technique, your attention will wander. We know that. You'll get consumed by fantasies or lost in thought or you'll fall asleep. But the most important moment 
of the whole process is the next moment where we can practice letting go and beginning again. It's really, that's why we call it a practice of resilience because mm. we can let go and begin again. We can let go and start over. And, and it really, it builds almost like that muscle of being able to let go and with a full heart being able to start again. I love that. Do you have meditation apps that you enjoy? Yes. Well, I'm on several meditation apps. I'm on 10% Happier uh, and Insight Timer and I think others as well. Got it. I'm going to have to look into those. I just got into um, an app called Breathing Room. Oh, yeah. I'm not on that, but I will also look into it. Yeah. I really liked it. It was um, a meditation that this woman did um, called the Soul Sync. And I really liked it. And then she got off of YouTube. And then I guess they built this whole app. So I was oh, like, yeah. oh, there we go. <laughs> um, so I found her. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's encouraging to hear the time the neuroscientists are saying. because, And I wonder how that plays in with TM. Because Transcendental Meditation is 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. So is that too much? Or does that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's too much. I mean, um, a friend of mine who was a neuroscientist some years ago said seven to nine minutes. That's what his lab, his research was showing. And I said, I don't know if it's that healthy to go for the bare minimum, you know. Yeah. But if you're nervous or you feel like I'm not sure about this, then you should just know that that's okay. You don't have to think about, you know, seven hours or it's not going to make any difference. Um, and then I was recently on a panel online for Oxford University, and another friend of mine who's a neuroscientist with a different lab heard me say that, and I could see from the look on her face she didn't really agree. So I said, okay, what do you think? And she said, well, my lab found 12 minutes. Hmm. You know, and, and really nobody knows. You know, it's yeah. not like there's an exact number. But the point is it's not so unthinkable that we will find even 12 minutes a day. Yeah, I think we all can find it. We just have to mark it as important as other things. Mm -hmm. um, Kelsey, you want to ask her? Yes. Go for it. Hi, Sharon. I have a question. What Hi. are the benefits that you have found from meditation and meditating? Okay, well, obviously I've been meditating for a thousand years, mm -hmm. so it's a little hard. <laughs> right? Know. Or for to, anyone to who's going to go embark on that journey. What can they? Yeah, well, I'd yeah. say, you know, I started when I was 18 years old and I'd had a very traumatic childhood. And I feel like if I was going to try to describe myself in one word at that part of my life, it would be fragmented. I just felt like I didn't have a sense of coherence. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my values were. Um, and meditation, the first thing it did was help me weave together and have a sense of myself. And I would say something that I'm actually relying on a lot these days is the ability to have kind of moments of rest and uh, a sense of, um, like if you use the breath, say for your anchor of attention, that is a moment of rest. You know, all that stuff may be happening, the thoughts and the feelings and the fears and everything, but you're not so caught up in it. Mm. And we need that. I need that. And and it's so available. It's like right here. And so that's something that I've really seen. And 
uh, especially through doing loving kindness meditation, I I could see evolving in me an entirely different sense of connection with others, um, which might be expressed just in a moment. It might be thanking that clerk sincerely, you know, being present with them or listening in a different way instead of being so distracted. And uh, whatever the benefit, what I have seen over and over again is that it's available. Mm. You know, it's not like I have to climb another mountain to get there. I just have to remember, okay, take a breath or be in the moment right now. Stop thinking about the email you need to write, you know, and Mm -hmm. listen to this person. And so that action of letting go and beginning again, I think is so fundamental because probably more than anything, I've brought that into my life. I love that. I love that too. You know, I really, something keeps, I keep going back to that expanse. I think that's such um, a major thing for all of us right now as we're feeling, like I said, despair or helplessness or, you know, all of those feelings, those challenging feelings is, you know, find a way to go out, whether you live in the desert and see the expanse of the desert, the ocean, a river, the wilderness. When you get out and you start to see that you are such a teeny, 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 teeny part of this, mm-hmm. you know, the humility that comes with it will kind of free mm-hmm. you of of all the burdens you're placing on yourself. And, you know, because I feel like we all, you know, want to be the superhero of our story. And it's not always for us Mm -hmm. right like sometimes you can just be an observer sometimes you can just be and not have to solve everything and have that Mm -hmm. burden well i think many times you know and that doesn't preclude taking some action yeah which seems small perhaps but it um i think underlying any action we take hopefully is that sense of being because otherwise it's a different investment in the action. Mm. You know, it's got to be up to me. I've got to save them. I've got to make this all different. Yeah. And it's rarely like that, you know? Yeah. And also just the loving kindness and seeing people and giving them your attention, right? Um, like, <laughs> like our friend at the dump. Exactly. Right? Isn't that our funny? Guy, yeah. Like when we go to the dump, we are very present with him. Yeah. And he makes our day and we make his day, as he told us. And, you know, or we could just be rushing on in and just cast him aside. Where do we put our Mm -hmm. stuff? Cool. And like, Mm. think of how much it's so strange, Sharon. We really get a lot of joy going to the dump. Um, (laughs) But but, it's it's interesting. Yeah. um, But it's because we have like this great exchange with somebody who works there. And I said to him the other day, I said, you know, it's an unpleasant thing one would think to have to take their trash to the dump, right? The van smells, there's sometimes flies. It's not something I thought was going to be um, an exciting venture for myself. However, you have made it such an exciting adventure where every time we come, we know we're going to see your smiling face and we have fun with you and we joke and you tell us about some story and then we have our exchange and we take the trash and we're like giggling and laughing on the way out and so but we would be robbing ourselves of that joy as well if we weren't present and we were just on our phones and busy yeah i know actually you're reminding me of this time years ago i was taking a walk with a friend 
in a cemetery in Cambridge, Mass. At dusk, and we got locked in because you know it grew dark, and, no and somehow we missed whatever signal they were oh, putting out to leave. And we went to the you know the the entrance that we had used now an exit, and it was locked. And, and we just like wandering around amongst these gravestones for a while, and wondering if we we're going to end up spending the night there. And then we came upon a security guard who would not stop talking to us. <laughs> and I realized he has no one else to talk to. He's like there all night in the mm-hmm. cemetery. And, you know, he was like, he just talked on and on and on and on and on and on. But that was an interesting reflection. Like instead of just getting annoyed and saying, hey, I've been in here long enough, you know. Yeah, I got to get out of uh, here. It was, like, it was like, he has no one else to talk to. Yeah. Let's just hang out with him. Hmm. So cool. You were the only alive people to talk to. Everybody right. else was gone. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, he might have been talking to other people. I don't know, but they weren't alive. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd love to hop in with a quick question. That's okay, Maria. Yeah. Just as we were talking about meditation, one of the things that you said to me, Sharon, that I thought was so valuable for our audience right now is how meditation can help us untangle misfortune from humiliation. You know, so many people who are unemployed right now or don't feel like they have you know, the life or the dignity that they used to need to be able to untangle the circumstances of their life from their own value. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I think that that is so crucial. And uh, I've often looked at that, just the association of having less, for example, or less than we used to or less than other people with the idea of being unworthy to be alive or being humiliated and how that can be a, a real cultural message. And, and it's the wrong message. Um and yet we take it on. So the process in the meditation uh, is really untangling what we call proliferation, where something happens, and it may be very painful. It's not to gloss over that, but we add to it through this kind of proliferating tendency. So the story I usually tell about that is I was teaching with my friend, my colleague, Joseph Goldstein, and we were together in the kitchen somewhere having a cup of tea. And someone came in and said to Joseph, I just had this miserable experience. So Joseph said, well, what happened? And he said, I felt all this tension in my jaw. And I realized what an incredibly uptight person I am and how I always have been and I always will be. And Joseph said, you mean you felt a lot of tension in your jaw? And he said, yes, and I've never been able to get close to people and it's never going to change. And Joseph said, as you might imagine, you mean you felt a lot of tension in your jaw. (laughs) And every time he said that, the man responded with some elaborate story about who he essentially was, which was no good, and how that was going to last forever. And finally, Joseph said something to him like, why are you adding a miserable self-image to a painful experience? It's like painful enough to feel the tension in your jaw. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, now you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and so unwinding that is kind of an essential part of mindfulness training. We say, look for the add-ons, you know, and again, it's not to say everything is delightful and you say, fantastic, I'm unemployed. It's not like that. You know, some things are very, very painful, but on top of that, we tend to add extra pain. Yeah. And so even if the world is doing it, we don't have to do it. And and that's part of the kind of the whole training in mindfulness is is not to buy into all that stuff. Yeah, like Dr. Amen, who we had on uh, last week, was like, ask yourself, is this 100% true? Yeah. So maybe with the add-ons, we take a second and say, well, is this 100% true? Yeah, no, that's great. That will help unwind. 
Um, Sharon, thank you so much. Guys, her book, The Real uh, Real Change, comes out tomorrow. It can be found wherever books are sold. Um, and uh, everything you need to know about Sharon, you can find at her website, SharonSalzberg.com. We'll put the link to that inside the summary of the episode. And Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you. It's really delightful to meet you. So nice to meet you. We'll have to chat again soon. That'd be great. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. <laughs> so great. So I love awesome. that. Woo. Love, love, love that. You know, what I, my favorite bit I have to say was the asking yourself, what do I really want most out of this? Mm. When you're going into any situation, whether it yeah. be a good or a bad one. Okay. Yeah, because then you also don't have like all these expectations of all these things happening, yeah. right? Like then later you're like, well, this should have happened or she should have done this or he should have done that. Yeah. It's like, ask yourself, what do you want? And yeah. then you'll probably get what you want if you've set the right intention mm-hmm. out there. I don't know. It's really cool. I love that too. All right, guys. Trying to keep these more condensed. I'm trying to keep <laughs> them to the one hour mark. We're a little You're bit over. It. But thank you for joining us as always. Uh, you can find us on social media at Maria Menunos, at Sharon Salzberg, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, at Kels Meyer. Too. Hey. <laughs> and remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chili, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 